This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I know if he really loves me, Whitney Houston once famously asked. I got the answer for you. If he preseason power rates you in his top 10, kids, he loves you. And that's what we're going to do tonight. At least we're going to love up on 10 teams. JP poll dropping in mere moments. We are jam-packed high atop a butterfly-filled, anxiety-ridden downtown Nashville, Tennessee, Sunday night, August 20th, the year of our Lord, 2023. You heard me correctly. The JP poll, not just one through five, not just one through 10. We're dropping the top 30 on the show tonight in one of the most imaginative ways we have ever endeavored to deliver content to you on this show. And hey, in true playoff fashion, I need to tell you, we do not have those rankings as of this moment. Don't worry. Don't worry. When they become available to me, I will deliver them to you. In the meantime, we got scrimmage intel. They're trying to find a quarterback at Alabama. They're trying to find a quarterback at Ohio State. Uh, we got other places where we may have five-star quarterbacks making moves, maybe starting as true freshmen. So I got loaded camp intel and scrimmage intel to get you. I've got a prediction for Florida State tonight. I've got a prediction for Michigan tonight. I've got four uncertain teams to talk to you about. We've got bold predictions, period, from you. And somehow... We're expected to do all this and still keep our voice. I bet we can, though. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. They're watching us in Stafford, Virginia, Herman, Missouri, Salem, Oregon, Lake Worth, Florida. At some point this week, and I'm not telling you when, the Pate State store will open. I'm not filling up the show with it. That's not what the show's about. But if you want to snag some really, really sweet-looking merch, it will be available to you at some point this week. And one more little point of business as we dive into the show. As you see, if you're watching on YouTube in the live chat, some of you think you're subscribed to the channel and you're not. And that goes for people watching the replay too. Some of you think you're subscribed here. And I just want you to check and make sure. Because as I said, the road to 200,000 subs is very steep. And it's going to be tight. Are we going to get there before kickoff? It's going to be tight. I probably think there's a chunk of you out there that think you're subbed to the channel and you're not. And so I'm asking you, check. And by the way, if you just flat out know you're not, uh, come on now, don't have the audacity to watch the show for free and not sub. Just, just hop in. It's free. The water's fine. Everything's fine over here. Let it work. It works. <sighs> Let's dive into this show. Again, JP poll coming up. As soon as I have those rankings in my hand, you will have them. But in the meantime, they scrimmaged in a lot of places yesterday, and this is the last scrimmage. Pretty much everyone's wrapped up their second scrimmage in fall camp, and now it's time to start Preparation for week one at Ohio State. A lot of folks talking around the program several months now. Kyle McCord will just be the starter at quarterback. And you've noticed when we've talked about that on this show, I've just kind of shrugged. I've said it'll be Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. Because I think what happened there is a classic uh, preview magazine syndrome. The, the, old, the old PMS, if you want to call it that. You couldn't plan that. I couldn't have planned that to be that good. Uh, we had a PMS, though, at Ohio State, and that PMS pre pre uh, preview magazine syndrome was everyone just says something over and over, and it gets accepted as gospel. Well, Kyle McCord never had this job locked down, so then Ohio State opens fall camp a couple of weeks ago, and they have their first scrimmage, and Ryan Day steps to the podium afterwards and says, we don't have separation at that position. Even then, because of PMS, a lot of people said, oh, he's just saying that so Devin Brown won't transfer. Oh, he's just saying that to, you know, sort of create the illusion of competition. 
Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Told you. On the show, I told you. That's not what's happening there. Some coaches do that. This is not one of those times. And sure enough, we come out of the second scrimmage, and guess where there's a lot of smoke? Around the name of one Devin Brown. And so I say all that to say, a phrase I apparently used nine times in the last show, I say all that to say, looks like we still have an ongoing quarterback competition, not a controversy. We don't believe in those here. Controversies when you have none. They apparently have two there. And they're trying to figure out who's going to start. So then the next order of business is they scrimmaged their last scrimmage before week one. And uh, there, there are two schools of thought around Ohio State right now. One is not a school of thought. It's just fact. They've got probably the most loaded wide receiver room in the country. Number two, they have no clue whether they have a quarterback consistent enough to take advantage of that. Here's the good news. They don't have to be on fire out of the gate. They go to Indiana. They got Youngstown. They got Western Kentucky. And they go to Notre Dame in week four. And that should, and I want to emphasize should, be the first truly losable game unless catastrophe strikes. And so what they have is they have a very healthy, multi-layered stable of tailbacks they feel good about. Uh, Joshua Simmons, who inexplicably now wants to go by Jimmy. There are never too many Joshes in your building, people. I hope he's listening to me tonight. You transfer to Ohio State from San Diego State. I wish you all the best. Don't be going from Josh to Jimmy. Uh, mm -mm. We don't endorse that move, but I do endorse his play. I think he's going to be good enough to contribute there and be a starter for them. Uh, offensive line, if that's good enough, they can run the ball, they'll be fine, and they can sort of ease a guy into, hopefully, they think eventually taking advantage of all that skill out wide. But um, what about those receivers in the meantime? You know, I, I see a world where we're watching Ohio State this year, and it is a more run-heavy approach, and you're going, wow, look at all this talent out wide. Uh, it's not that we're wasting it per se, but man, we're not fully leveraging it either. Watch the first few weeks. I'll be interested to see how they call plays, how Ryan Day calls plays the first few weeks there. They feel good about the team. This is a theme around several of these major contenders this year. They feel good about the team as long as they can answer the old pesky quarterback position. Natural transition. Let's talk about Alabama for just a second. They had a scrimmage yesterday. Had some, uh, had some eyes and ears down in Tuscaloosa. Jalen Milrow, as we expected, uh, entered... Saturday afternoon as the presumed starter for this team. I think he exited Saturday afternoon as the presumed starter for this team. Now, if you could see my DMs, you would know that last week when I rained on a few people's parade, uh, parades and I said, Dylan Lonergan's not going to be the starting quarterback for this team, uh, some people didn't like that because uh, Dylan Lonergan had done some good things in camp. So yesterday... <laughs> Yesterday, I'm, I'm just minding my own business. I'm not at the scrimmage. I'm not even in the state of Alabama yesterday, but some people were. And um, Lonergan got a series against the ones and threw like a bomb touchdown pass. And so I got a whole bunch of I told you so's. Well, then this dude called Nick Saban steps to the podium down there afterwards, and they asked him about Lonergan. And he was very complimentary, but basically he said, yeah, uh, check with me next year. He's going to develop this year. He's not going to start for us this year. That's basically what he said. So that was out of the way. That was never a serious consideration. I tried to explain that to you. He's not starting a true freshman. No, he's not starting that true freshman in this year. And so Ty Simpson, I don't think, did anything to make a move yesterday. Uh, Jalen Milrow, I don't think, did anything to secure the job. So therefore, I think we're still in the same place that Ohio State's in. We got two weeks to go until week one. They play uh, Middle Tennessee State to start the season. Murfreesboro's college football team, as we call them around here. And that is what it is. But what I have continued to hear, heard it again yesterday, is that offensive line, at least when it comes to run blocking, very legit. Caleb Downs, true freshman safety, very legit. Defensive back room in general, very legit. Running back stable, started with Roydell Williams yesterday at RB1, very legit. All these things have to be said about them for them to be a national championship contender if we're going to continue to ask questions about quarterback. And we are continuing to ask questions about quarterback. And frankly, I don't think they're thrilled where their wide receiver room is right now down there either. So it's going to have to be a very, very physical bowling ball with knives around it style of play down there. And I think they're capable of it. What about Miami? I would encourage you guys, go over to InsideTheU.com. David Lake did a really good write-up over there about the position groups coming out of the second scrimmage that they have the most confidence in. And these are the folks who cover the team. And David and that group do as good a job as anyone down there. And I, I just noticed something that kind of echoes what we've been hearing from Coral Gables too. 
the places they feel the most confidence in right now are right up the middle. Offensive line, defensive line, actually. And those were the two position groups that David went with. Those are the two position groups that, in some cases, really hurt them last year. Offensive line was atrocious last year. Now it's one of their most confident groups because you bring that true freshman class in and you portal some guys in. And listen, it was, it, you bring warm bodies in and it was going to be better than it was last year. So same thing that I've talked about with a couple of other programs. You've got a bunch of unknown with Miami. And there was a lot of room for improvement. So it's not shocking that they feel like they've improved. It's where have they improved? Because you could just load up on a bunch of receivers and skill guys and still suck at the line of scrimmage. Well, if they've improved offensive line, defensive line, um, you got Cam Kitchens back there. Malagoa's brother, Francisco Malagoa, is going to start at middle linebacker for him. He transferred in. And so they feel better and better. They can run the ball, too. And Tyler Van Dyke's a returning quarterback. So up the middle... I almost have very little question. I just question the run defense. I think everyone around that program is too. That has not changed coming out of their second scrimmage. And uh, that pretty much holds the key to their season. I know a lot's going to be made of Tyler Van Dyke in this new offense, as it should. Um, I don't necessarily know that the wide receiver room there is lighting the world on fire either. Kind of sounds like Alabama. But I will say this, if they can stop the run, if they are average to above average. Give me above average a run stop right there. Man, their pass rush can really take over. If you can force obvious passing downs, and that's a big if, if they can force that, they'll be able to get off the field. They'll be able to give their offense more possessions. Ironically, run defense is probably the key to Miami's offense this year. It's crazy how this game works in such a complimentary fashion. What about Georgia? There was an announcement that I'm not going to call big because everyone and their mother saw it coming. Everyone in their meanwhile saw this one coming. Carson Beck's going to be the starting quarterback for Georgia this year. Per, and we got a source on this, head coach Kirby Smart is the source, and he has confirmed, not to us, but to everyone, that Carson Beck's going to be the guy. Okay, so that's not a surprise. Now what are we looking at past him? They scrimmaged yesterday in Athens. Um, it, I, I, so first things first, the good news is passing game looked good. I think that when you look at the transfer receivers that came in there, uh, Dom Lovett came from Missouri. He's everything they thought he would be. That's a guy that's going to be heavily involved with their first rotation of wide receivers. Ra-Ra Thomas came from Mississippi State. I don't think they've quite gotten that level of production out of him, but it's also fall camp. Some guys emerge in week five, so who knows? Uh, but it's good that they hit on at least one of those two, and at the very least, they both provide quality depth. But the other thing is, the running back room is still, I'm not calling it a problem. I'm just calling it an issue for camp because they haven't been able to practice like they want to quite yet. They couldn't scrimmage probably like they wanted to yesterday. I don't think they ran the ball hardly at all. And that's just a symptom of having some guys banged up. Then again, I mean, I say then again, again, when you look at that, that's part of what's baked into the timeline they're working on. They're not working on a timeline of let's make sure we get guys back for our second scrimmage. That would be wonderful. They're working on a timeline of, can we get them back by week one or conference play even? So the team, I keep listening to Kirby Smart. I think the same thing about him as I think about Day uh, and I think about Saban so far this spring or, or fall, they keep saying things that aren't critical. It's just reality. You know, Kirby's talking about his team and talking about how we're not where we were this time last year, but we were definitely better than we were in our first scrimmage. It's just real. I think what he's telling you is, the same thing that I think about that team. They got a chance to win a national championship. I don't necessarily know that I would look at them or anyone right now and think they're a finished product, but I'd also look at Georgia and think maybe it takes a few weeks. You know, maybe that South Carolina game looks way different than that Ole Miss game because they're about 10 weeks or nine weeks separating the two. It may just be a team that takes a little bit longer to get up to speed. Think, say this out loud now. If you're, if you're slightly questioning the effectiveness of your pass rush, so, you know, maybe you can't get off the field quite as often. Maybe you don't have that havoc rate quite to the degree you want it defensively. So you don't just totally wreck games. You got a new quarterback. He's been there a long time. And I, frankly, I think Carson Beck's going to be a strength of this team. But there is still some unknown there. And you can't lean on a ground game. Let's say you can't lean on that ground game. And you still haven't truly established a wide receiver one. Well, those are things that all could happen for them. Maybe they're just not there by week one. And when we talk about Georgia on this show, understand something. I know you're used to turning on shows and, and they're just heaping praise on Georgia. Uh, 
you're going to see later tonight where we have them power rated. They're way, way, way up there. Couldn't be any higher on Georgia than we are, actually. Spoiler alert. But we take the elite teams and we use a more fine-tooth comb. I do not talk about Georgia like I talk about Texas Tech. It's a different standard. And so it's easy to talk about how good they are. It's easy to talk about how good Bama is, Clemson, Ohio State. Like all the elite teams every year, it's easy to do that. We like to use a more fine-tooth comb. It's not negativity. It's just there are questions with that team. I mean, if the head coach is talking about it, we're going to talk about it. So it may take a little bit longer for that Georgia team to round into form, but they'll get there eventually. And once they get there, they'll be as good as anyone in the country because I don't know that I see elite teams heading into the season. At LSU, I'm going to say the same thing I said about Miami. Offensive line and defensive line are probably the strengths of this team right now. You could certainly argue there are individuals in other position rooms, um, but unit-wise, they're really good along the line of scrimmage. And man, they got some players, especially in the defensive front. They got players. They got NFL first-round players there. I look at LSU, they're coming out of their second scrimmage, and these folks practice two hours before they scrimmage. I think they ran, what was it, Jesse? 43 plays in a scrimmage after a two-hour practice. Go Tigers. So um, Jaden Daniels, I don't think, threw a ball further than he could underhand it. I don't think there was more than like one 15-yard pass. So there really wasn't a ton to glean from the scrimmage, almost like Brian Kelly knows what he's doing and doesn't care for information on his team to be out there. So instead. Just a few things to pay attention to, because I think it comes down with this team to health of their secondary. They have good enough players there if they thread the needle health-wise, I think. Um, not going to be an elite secondary. They'll be good enough there if all those guys can stay healthy. Second thing, they need wide receivers to slot themselves behind Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors could be the best in the country this year. I know Marvin Harrison exists. My point is he can be one of the best in the country. He can be right up there statistically with anyone. They need guys to fulfill roles underneath him. That's not even for if he gets hurt. That's just to make sure you can leverage him properly and folks don't bracket him the entire season. I think they have those guys. They have to slot themselves. And the third thing is, because of the nature of LSU secondary, I think there is some mild concern or maybe some focus around the LSU program about what happens if we get in shootouts. What happens if we get into a situation where we're having to trade points and, and we get in one of those first to 40 type games. We may have a few of them this year. Ole Miss could do that to you. Missouri could do that to you. Auburn, uh, Alabama, like there are some teams on your schedule that if your secondary is, is not at the level you think it is, they could do that to you. Can Jaden Daniels do that for you? That's the next level of his game that he may have to exhibit this year. Really good player. Um, but if, if you're in some of those games where the difference is scoring 31 versus scoring 44, something like that, to try and win, and you're back and forth and it's a shootout, that's the kind of stuff that determines whether you're in Atlanta or you're 9-3 and three watching Alabama in Atlanta at the end of the year. How about this little nugget of information? At Arizona State, never thought I was going to say this back in the spring, Jaden Rashada is in contention to be the starter here. Most of you know who that is. If you don't know who that is, that is an, a former Elite 11 guy. We saw him last year out in L.A. He is the guy who was in that really, really big dust-up at Florida where he was there, and then all of a sudden he's not there, and he's back on the market, and he commits to Arizona State. Yeah, yeah, some of you are shaking your head. Yeah, that guy. Well, he also is going to actually play football. It's not just going to be a headline grabber. And he, he's in contention to start for him week one. Explosive plays. He's got all that potential, obviously far more than anyone on the roster. Drew Pine is there. Drew Pine's got a hamstring injury, though. So Kenny Dillingham's the new head coach here. And you got more and more people by the day around the program saying, well, if we're going to take lumps this year, or if we don't have a definitive starter, why don't we err on the side of, you know, I don't know, playing the guy that was the home run slash grand slam recruit for us. And they play Southern Utah week one. Got Oklahoma State week two. Nice little out-of-conference game. Boy, the Big 12 is stepping up in week two out-of-conference, and we salute them for that. So is he ready? Not by most standards, but Arizona State is in a different place as a program than most places. They got a four-and-a-half over-under win total. So keep an eye on that. Jaden Rashada. Let's see if he actually ends up starting some games for Arizona State. I'm being told in my ear. Hold on. Hold on. Being told in my ear. Okay. We do not have the JP poll ballots in the studio, 
potentially in the building. So I'll tell you what, let's give away two Chalai and we'll check back on the other side. We're giving away Chalai of Supremacy, uh, in this case, multiple tonight. Chalai, it's the plural of chalice for those of you new to the show. We're giving one away at least every show. Uh, they are littered all over our desk. I've got one right here that I like to drink out of on the show. These are not for sale. Uh, these are Pate State Chalai of Supremacy, and they are given to someone who exhibits the willingness and the ability to execute promoting our show in a very public fashion. And as we have seen, and as I'm about to continue to show you, there are a million and one different ways to be able to execute this. So first up, we go to Columbia, South Carolina. Our friends at the Cotton Gin have a very lovely marquee out front. And they decided to take that marquee the other night. And by the way, they are the only relevant club in Columbia. That's how they market themselves. The only relevant club in Columbia. Uh, there it is. Late Kick with Josh Pate. Subscribe, YouTube, and pod. Chalice of Supremacy already being shipped to our friends at the Cotton Gen. Thank you. There should be a line at the door of that place tonight. Next up, Reed Richardson. He does not own a bar. He does not own a club. But I'll tell you what he does. He works at a golf course. And so he went out there before anyone teed off the other morning, and he put the following note on the steering wheel of every golf cart. If you're listening on podcast, it says, subscribe to Late Kick Live with Josh Pate on YouTube for a free bucket of range balls. Reed, thank you for your service. Chalice of Supremacy on the way. So look, you guys may not own an establishment. Uh, your dad may not own a sign company where you can get us on a billboard. You may not own a plane that you can fly a sign behind, although we encourage that kind of activity. But whatever you can do to help. These 200,000 subs don't come cheap. So thank you guys so much. Uh, I hear noise. I, let me take a sip from the Chalice of Supremacy. I think it's time. Oh, yeah, Bradley's in the room. Okay. All right, Colin, this is it. It's time. Come on in, Bradley. Bradley, the associate, actually does have, these are the JP poll ballots. Okay, you can go, Bradley. Thank you so much. We waited all summer. We waited all spring. The AP came out. The coaches poll came out. But now the JP poll has been delivered in bubble wrap, no less. Oh, they're still hot. What a time. Let me explain to you people who are new around here what the JP poll is. It's a power rating system. This is not the AP. Uh, this is not anything that has to do with what you did last year. This is our model, which is pristine. The model's never been wrong. Remember, if the model predicts an outcome that does not come to fruition, either a kid, a coach, or an official screwed it up because the model's right 100% of the time. So kids, coaches, and officials will let you down. The model never will. Remember that in life. Kids, coaches, and officials, but not the model. But what we have here, what we have here is at random. I'm just going to start filling in blanks on the JP poll. And first up tonight, oh, I'm nervous, Jesse. I'm nervous. First up tonight, we have the Clemson Tigers. The Clemson Tigers are checking in at number 12. Number 12, the model has Clemson at. The AP has them nine. We don't have them even in the top 10. Uh, the model would like you to know, Clemson, uh, the progression of Cade Klubnik under Garrett Riley is still a question to the model. The model doesn't necessarily believe in the emergence of wide receivers there. Good defense. Got to replace three up front. Okay, the model doesn't doubt that you can do that. The model doubts the quality of elite depth up front. And does the portal denier strategy work in 2023? So the model, the JP poll, putting Clemson at number 12. Very interesting placement there. Huh. Let's see who we have next. <laughs> Texas A&M checks in in the JP poll preseason rankings at number 14. The AP has Texas A&M at number 23. The JP poll has the Aggies at number 14. And there's some confusion, okay? The, the model does admit the Petrino-Fisher marriage. Very much a question mark. The model just leans toward the fact that AM has a top five overall roster in blue chip ratio. Great, it's so great. I speech impedimented you. Great wide receiver depth. And Connor Wigman, a breakout season expected from the model. 
Is the O-line good enough? Struggled to run the ball a little bit last year. But overall, loaded on defense, high-quality players, bunch of returning production, the model, and therefore the JP poll, higher on A&M. Number 14 in the JP poll. Oh, next up. Mm. We don't have Florida State in the top 10. The JP poll puts Florida State at number 11. Right in front of Clemson, actually. I guess that means the JP poll is not going to have an ACC team in the top 10. The audacity. Let's see what the model says to Florida State. It doubts or it questions whether returning production in top portal class can overcome the blue chip ratio. That pesky blue chip ratio. It keeps sneaking in the picture. Now, I know most of you know what I'm talking about there. Florida State probably has the lowest blue chip ratio of any team in title contention this year. That's just the ratio of four and five star players to non four and five star players. Now, I know the arguments. I know the pushback on this. I've gone back and forth with Florida State fans. And remember, I may not even agree with this. This is the model. It's got my initials on it, but it doesn't always get endorsed by me. See Texas last year. So at number 11, whereas the AP has Florida State at number eight, can Jordan Travis reach another level with top end pass catchers around him? That is the key. The model is telling me that it disagrees on so far. It still wants to see the production. It cites the fact that Jordan Travis had so many games under 250 yards passing last year. I think I'd have Florida State in the top 10 if I'm an AP voter. But look, the JP poll does no wrong. And the JP poll has Florida State just outside the top 10. Let's move on here. Oh, I disagree with this so much. Oh, JP poll, baby, what is you doing here? The JP poll has TCU at number 16. Are you kidding me? T- hmm. Let's see what it says. All right, so the AP and the JP poll, embarrassingly enough, agree on TCU. I wouldn't have TCU in my top 20 right now. So I'm telling you, there is significantly strong disagreement between your boy here and this computer just off to my right. Can they sustain the momentum from last year despite losing quarterback, running backs, wide receiver, offensive line? Well, that's my argument. How in the world does it have it in number 16 then? What's the ceiling and floor with Chandler Morris and Garrett Riley gone? Great question, model. If you can't answer it, why do you have TCU at number 16? Hard to be a Cinderella two years in a row. So basically, the piece of paper in front of me from the JP poll and the model is making my argument, and yet inexplicably, it has TCU at number 16. Not even Connolly has TCU in his top 20. Uh, yeah, I disagree with that. Uh, we're probably going to have words about that after the show. So TCU at number 16. Who's next here? Oh, there was some pushback from the West Coast on this the other day. So I kind of leaked this the other day. Washington, I have at number 20. Now, the other day I told you I had them lower. There was some adjustment after scrimmage intel came in yesterday. Just be aware of that. So I bumped Washington up, it looks like, to number 20. Now, the AP has Washington at number 10. Okay, so there is discrepancy here. Uh, Michael Penix is back. You got a couple thousand yard receivers back. Look, we're looking at two things offensive line, they're replacing both guards in a center. Unit only allowed seven sacks last year. And also, pass defense was bad last year. And also, the overall production level of Washington was well above what would be expected, which is great. That's what you're supposed to be trying to do. The model wonders openly, and I do agree with the model here. The model wonders openly whether that just seamlessly gets duplicated or if there's a little regression back to the meme. So the JP poll puts Washington at number 20 in the preseason. Can't disagree with that. I can absolutely disagree with TCU. We move on. Well, well, well. If it isn't Texas. Last year, and this is the last time I'll talk about this before we move on to 2023, the model had Texas, if it could have been higher than number one, the model would have put Texas at number 0.5. The model was just absolutely inebriated and drunk on Texas. The JP poll has Texas at number six to start the season. The AP has them at number 11. We're doing this thing again. I know I tweeted out the other day we were lower in the JP poll on Texas than the AP was. I was wrong. I was wrong. So the JP poll has Texas at number six. Huge belief in Quinn Ewers. The model thinks Ascension is coming big time. 
The offensive line, not the concern that preview magazines believe it may be. Wide receiver room could contend for being one of the best in the country. Now, the model is pointing out it doesn't necessarily think personnel-wise Texas measures up with Ohio State. It just thinks the quarterback in Austin can take better advantage of the wide receiver talent they have there than maybe whomstever starts in Columbus. Really, really good defensive improvement expected from Texas this year. The model believes big time. Also, the entirety of the lyrics to the song Always and Forever by Luther Vandross are listed here because that's just how much the model loves Texas. Great song, by the way. Oh, Ohio State's number two. Ohio, the Buckeyes all the way up there at number two. So you're telling me we don't know who's starting a quarterback for them. And we got them at number two, huh? Must really have a lot of faith in the rest of this roster. Great wide receiver and running back group can help the quarterback. That's what the model is telling me here. Defense is trending up. Year three under Jim Knowles. NFL talent on all three levels. NFL talent on defense actually is the most overlooked aspect with Ohio State according to the model, and that is what is landing them a number two rating in the preseason JP poll. And I got to be honest with you, we did our scientific experiment like three months ago, and it was in jest, but it was not, it was not interpreted as that on Instagram and whatnot. So people have been mocking us relentlessly. We did this exercise where we realized in the past several years, the team that had the most first-round draft picks after that championship game had won the championship game. So we just pulled up mock drafts, and we found out Ohio State has the most mock-drafted first-round players right now. So we called it science. You can just do that these days. Call whatever you want to science. It counts as science. So we just called it science, and we said, there you go. Spoiler alert, Ohio State's winning the title. Uh, it won't shock you to find out that people on the internet thought we were serious. Well, we almost are, because we almost had Ohio State number one. Where do we have Alabama? The JP poll has Alabama checking in at number three in the preseason. AP has them at four. S&P Plus has them at four. So we're a little bit higher on Alabama than the other guys are. Quarterback issues apparent. Quarterback issues can be overcome, at least early in the season. That's what the JP poll thinks. Should be able to ground and pound, elite offensive line, running back room. By the way, the word elite there. I'm not just skimming over that. That's a very rare word to use. Uh, there is disagreement out there on whether Alabama's offensive line has elite top-end potential. As a run-blocking unit, I am telling you, I think they have elite potential. The model obviously agrees. Now, pass pro, we'll see. Run-blocking, monsters this year. Top-end defense, playmakers at every level, two new coordinators, very interesting times at Alabama. The model puts... Alabama at number three in the JP poll to start the season. Sorry about that, Colin. Whew, there are some teams I have not listed yet. I cannot wait to see where they are. Tennessee is a top 10 team in the JP poll, right? Wow. Tennessee at number nine in the JP poll to start the season. They're at 12 in the AP. So I'm sorry they hate you in Knoxville, but we don't. Clearly, we love you at number nine. Someone tell Bill Martin to plaster this all over Knoxville. Tennessee continuing offensive success, even with Joe Milton and a new offensive coordinator. Okay, so the model has no issues here with the personnel churn. Offensive line questions, three position battles in fall camp, losing top-end talent to the NFL, but ultimately the model thinks that the replacements are there and the defense will be better, enough better, than it was last year. Number 127, by the way, past defense last year. First double-digit win season since 07. We're coming off of that. And the model thinks, the JP poll thinks, Tennessee will sustain. So number nine. Okay, uh, Connolly has Tennessee at number eight. So it's just the AP that's apparently a little bit behind the curve on Tennessee. I still haven't seen the team. I want to see. Oh, here they are. Okay, so we've been accused of just... Blind Penn State homerism. It started with the color of my t-shirt, but then we took a trip up to Happy Valley a few months ago, and ever since then, people have claimed homerism. Well, what if I told you that the AP put Penn State at number seven, the S&P Plus has them at number six, I only have them at number eight. So if anything, at this point, it's fair to ask, are we Penn State haters on this team? 
Number eight in the JP poll. We believe in Drew Aller. The model believes in Drew Aller. Keandre Lambert-Smith or Dante Cephas? Do you have a true wide receiver one here? Model has a big question mark in front of me. No question on the offensive line. Running backs, run game should be incredible. The defensive back seven should be good. Defensive line play. That's what the model thinks determines whether this is a top five unit and a playoff contender. Because if you answer that question, then we're pretty good to go here. I pretty much agree with this. I would have Penn State in that sort of seven to 10 range as well. That is probably, I think it's safe to say three teams there in the Big Ten East, all in the top 10. There's the team I'm looking for. Okay. Where does the JP poll have USC? The AP has USC at number six. You know that. The JP poll has USC at number 10. I'm going to have to answer for this on the Peristyle. I know I am. I'll be over there later tonight, guys. So we've got USC exactly where Conley had them. Number 10, no questions about offensive skill. Improvement in the trenches on both sides is key, and the model still has questions going into the season. Alex Grinch, it is put up or shut up time defensively there. The portal additions, they were good. Are they playoff caliber good? Are they Pac-12 championship caliber good? I think I would probably be a couple of spots higher, but by and large, I agree with this. There's still some questions there, and the questions are line of scrimmage questions, so it's, it's always hard for me to go higher than a certain line in the sand when that's where your questions are. USC, number 10. You know, they're talking about no finish line out there this year. I love that mantra, by the way, no finish line. And uh, that in, that's indicative of a group that just plans on getting better and better and better and better. They kind of did that last year. If they do that this year, then they can win a national championship, or at least they could make noise and get in the playoff. So we just went through 12 of them. All right, what I think we need to do now is let's just flat out reveal the rest of them. So the top 10, I I didn't even bother with Georgia there. Georgia is our preseason number one team. It goes Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, Michigan is four. I told you Oregon is the most underrated AP team that we see in the top 15. We got Oregon all the way at number five in the JP poll. Texas at six. LSU is checking in at seven. And then it's Penn State, Tennessee, USC. What about 11 through 20? Let's show it, Colin. Florida State and Clemson are 11 and 12. I told you that. Utah's at 13. This is a very, very big question mark of a team right now because we don't know about Jesse. And by Jesse, I mean Cam Rising. We don't know if he's going to be able to start against Florida. We're going to be at that game in less than two weeks. We're going to be at that game. So we'll see. A&M's at 14. We are big on Oregon State. Oregon State's at 15. TCU, mysteriously, at 16. And then it's Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Washington, 17 through 20. And this is the most fun part, because this is the part I have not spoken to you about. Number 21 through 30. We got Florida as the number 21 team in the country. And the over-under win total there is five and a half. So I hope you're listening over on Swamp 24-7. I hope you guys hear me. I'm standing up for you. Everybody else, including Vegas, has left you for dead. I'm standing up for you. That's not a terrible team. They got a tough tough schedule. Not a terrible team. How about Auburn at 22nd? It's just an SEC fest at this point. Ole Miss is 23rd. Told you Texas Tech and Mississippi State are both underrated as well. And there's UCLA just outside at number 26. Arkansas, always, always we roll with the hogs here. Arkansas, 27. North Carolina, 28. Iowa, 29. And Kentucky at number 30. The weight of the world was on my shoulders when I walked in the studio today. JP poll release week is unlike any week around here. Now, here's what happens moving forward. We bet off of these rankings, power ratings, excuse me. I release a new batch every week, and we update those. That has nothing to do with your record. It has nothing to do with the AP. It's all about who would be favored against who on a neutral field tomorrow. That's all the JP poll cares about. So the order you just saw is the exact order that our model would favor teams in on a neutral field. And if it sounds weird to you that TCU would be favored against Oklahoma tomorrow, I think it's weird too. But you know what? Like I said, the model's never been wrong in its existence. Only kids, coaches, and officials screw it up. The model has never been wrong. And um, it's just a fact. It's not even opinion. That's just a fact. 
I appreciate you guys being tuned in live. Make sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel. And if you're saying, well, Josh, I'm already subscribed, make sure, because we have found through some very, very meticulous and thorough analysis this past week, not all of you who think you're subscribed are subscribed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Academy Sports and Outdoors is your one-stop shop for pretty much everything in life. If you're moving, if you need to go camping, uh, some of you sent me pictures of a ton of fishing equipment you got from Academy the other day, and certainly all the bats and balls and gloves, etc. This is your place, and they are the place for us. They make the show free of charge to you. You can go there in person. You can go to academy.com if you can't get there in person. But however you shop Academy, just make sure you shop them. I don't even care if you go to their competitors first. Make sure you shop Academy before you make that purchase. You'll find that you should have been there all along. Also heard some cautionary tales from you guys lately on that front. So Academy.com, if you can't get there in person, uh, they have had our back forever and continue to have our back. And we love them dearly. We love Academy like the JP Poll loves Texas. And that's big love. Great song by Fleetwood Mac, but also it is the way we feel about our partner there, Academy Sports and Outdoors. All right, let's just flat out predict some records. No more, no more rankings, no more ratings. Let's just predict some records. Take a sip from the chalice. I encourage you to do the same if you have one. What is Michigan going to do this year? You know, it's felt to me like everything's been building to this for them. Uh, this is, you know, if you, if you love pro wrestling growing up like I do, this is their Astrodome. Okay, this is their WrestleMania 17. You can't just continue to ascend, ascend, ascend. There has to be a peak moment. There has to be a zenith. Now, we didn't know it that night in 2001 as little children watching WWE at the time, but it was. Rock versus Austin in the Astrodome. WrestleMania 17, that was the peak of the business. And terrible decisions were made that night. Well, anyway, with Michigan, is this that year? Is this the peak for them? And if it is, what more could you want? Like, what better combination of roster talent and coaching could you want? They've all built to this moment. What's the best case scenario for this team this year, record wise? It's 12 and 0. I'll answer it for you right now. The best case record wise is 12 and 0. And make no mistake, I've heard some folks arguing about this out there. Can Michigan win a national championship? Uh, yeah, they can. Yes, in the definitive, they can. Now, the reason some people say no is they think there's this formula, there's this combo of ingredients you need once you get in the playoffs to win a title, which is true. But that is conditioned based on year and based on who else is out there. What you see at Georgia right now, what you see at Mama, what do you see at Ohio State? Uh, I see varying degrees of questions. I don't know that there's an elite quarterback out there. So in, so in other words, I also don't know how elite those rosters are. Now, it may very well be that come November, I sound different and I'm watching Georgia play or I'm watching Ohio State or Bama or, or maybe I'm watching LSU or maybe I'm watching FSU and I'm saying, I don't think Michigan has the horses to deal with them. I'm not saying that the preseason. So the ceiling for this team, quarterback, check. Running back, check, check. Offensive line, two-time Joe Moore Award, check, 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 check and probably got some depth there as well. Defense is good. The pedigree is there. Everyone's been there and they've done that. There's just, there's one more box to check. Two more. They need to win a playoff game and win a national title. Best case, 12-0 regular season. They win the Big Ten Championship and they go and do just that. What's the worst case for Michigan? Uh, the worst case is a huge compliment. I think their worst case this year is 9-3. and three. I don't know that I've ever said that with Michigan. That is a massive an amazing elevation of a program to where your floor is nine wins. But how would this happen? Well, if it did happen, you would have probably losses at Penn State and versus Ohio State, I would guess. And then there's one more loss in there somewhere. Uh, it would probably just mean the next gear that you hoped was there as a team, as a program, just wasn't there. Whatever you are capable of, you maxed it out last year 
and then you rev the engine again this year. It kind of got close to or at that level again, but everybody gunned for you. Everyone had the crosshairs on your back, and you couldn't separate offensively, maybe. Like maybe you got in some games where you needed to get margin and get distance on a team like, I, I don't know, Maryland. I would just throw a team out there. And it was a random week, and you couldn't do it. You go to Nebraska, and Jeff Sims just goes off, and you're not matching points, and you're minus three turnovers that day. In the worst case of worlds, that's where you go nine and three. Hard to envision, but I would think nine and three is worst case. What is the most likely record scenario for Michigan? 11 and one. Super easy. 11 and one is the most likely for them, I think. It's tough to pick this team apart. The glaring weaknesses that you would look for to go 10 and two or nine and three, they're really not there. You have to beat them this year. Some folks are capable of it, but you're going to have to do it. I remember when they played Georgia in that semifinal game a couple of years ago. I think I showed you guys the picture. They got blown out, and I was standing on the field afterwards, and McCarthy, I think Donovan Edwards maybe, a lot of the kids in that true freshman class, a lot of the kids that were going to be back the next year, they're just standing off to the side. They're not looking to get on camera. They're standing off to the side, and they're just watching You know, the, the confetti rain down. They're watching Georgia celebrate, and that same group, that same nucleus I watched on that field a couple of years ago, they're coming back again this year. Came back last year, got closer. Come back this year, maybe they get the job done. Um, it just feels like the moment for Michigan. I haven't made my championship picks. They, they literally could be my national championship pick. Have not ruled that out very high on Michigan this year. Let's do some bold predictions. Good pace tonight. Didn't know how long the JP poll reveal was going to go. You ne- with the committee, you never know, you know. So we're on a good pace, though. I don't think we're going an hour and a half tonight. But who knows? Hoopst, Hoopst really knows at the end of the day. Let's talk some bold predictions. Bold predictions have reached chapter 33, which was my number in Little League before I just shaved it down to number three for marketing purposes in high school. Uh, bold prediction number one tonight takes us to Knoxville, Tennessee. And that is from Tommy from Germantown, Tennessee, actually. What? What? Mm, Tommy, we need to hang out more, buddy. But Tommy says Tennessee goes 11 and 1 in the regular season. Tommy, this bold prediction gets an 8.75 on the boldness scale from me, which is your standard 1 to 10. Not on the metric system either. We're holdouts over here. It's bold. The over unders 9.5 wins there. 11 and 1 was our best case. When we did our Tennessee prediction special, I think 11 and 1 was our best case scenario. So to give you an idea of their most competitive games from a point spread perspective, they go to Florida in week three. They are currently a seven and a half point favorite. They have A&M later in the year after their bye week. They're favored by seven at home against A&M. Some of you are surprised that line isn't bigger. Vegas is higher on Texas A&M than you are. Kind of like the JP poll. Uh, At Alabama, they are a nine and a half point dog. Against Georgia at home, they're an eight and a half point dog. This just comes down to Joe Milton. I don't, I don't really know that we need to talk ourselves in circles. It comes down to Joe Milton because pretty much everything else on that team can be what it was last year if Joe Milton at quarterback is as productive or thereabouts as Hendon Hooker. 8.75 because I think it's really, really hard to do. You're trying to do even more than you did last year in many cases. Next up. Whew, this would cause some controversy. Cooper is in Lawton, Oklahoma. And Cooper said the Big 12 will only have one team with double-digit wins, and it's not going to be Texas. What a troublemaker. Uh, This is an 8.75 for me. Nobody has a double-digit win total out there, first off. So Texas has the highest over-under right now. They're at 9.5. Oklahoma, dead even. They're also at 9.5. Kansas State is at 8.5. And then you got TCU and Texas Tech at 7.5. So TCU did this very thing last year. TCU won double-digit games. Texas didn't. And that was it. Even Kansas State, the team that won the conference, they didn't win double-digit games until the conference title game. So we're talking about regular season games here, obviously. Who, Who would it be? Well, I think obviously the answer is Oklahoma. If someone wins 10 or more out there and it's not Texas, Oklahoma's got to be, I think, the team or the most likely team because they beat Texas in the process, you would think. And outside of that, 
famously at this point, Oklahoma has like the most workable schedule in Big 12 history. They avoid most of the other high odds teams in the conference. And so schedule's on their side. At that point, the head-to-head win over Texas would be on their side. I'm still making this an 8.75, mainly because I think Texas is really good this year. Next up, we're just we're, we're going all the way down the ACC rabbit hole here. We're just predicting the conference outcomes. Peter from Gainesville, Florida said, Clemson will beat Miami in the ACC title game. Now, they play in the regular season, Peter. They play in week eight. So we're going to have a rematch, according to Peter, in the ACC title game. Clemson's going to win. Uh, This is a 9.5 on the boldness scale. Clemson has the best odds to win the conference. Miami has the sixth best odds to win the conference. Miami plays five of the top seven odds teams in the ACC. Schedule's really tough. They also just play A&M out of conference for good measure. Um, Peter, you're trying to predict the exact matchup. You got a big-time underdog story here in Miami making the game, and then you're predicting the winner. Uh, Frankly, if you can get that matchup, I would favor Clemson to win the game. It's getting the matchup that's the hard part. So I'm going to make that a 9.5 on the boldness scale. And lastly, and possibly the most creative bold prediction we've had so far this year, this is from Plano, Texas, and this is from Adam. And Adam said, I don't think you guys have done one like this before, but if you think about it, it's not crazy. The entire playoff will be made up of teams with the color red. I'm giving a pregnant pause so you can think about it. Four of four. Four teams in the playoff. All of them with that base red. Well, he's right. Once you zoom in, it's not crazy. This is a crazy looking graphic though. So here we have all the teams whose primary color is red listed on the screen. And then you've got the rank. So you got the odds, basically, to win the championship. And these are just teams inside the top 16. Uh, They've got nine of the top 16 teams in the preseason to win the title are red. Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, USC, Florida State, Oklahoma, Utah, Wisconsin. And you got A&M. Texas Tech's 21. I don't know that we should count Ole Miss, although they do have red. But I don't think that's their primary color. But More than half of the top 16 odds teams are red. So here's the problem. Can you get four of four? We got to keep Michigan out completely. Clemson, Penn State, uh, Washington, Oregon, LSU, those teams have to be shut out. They can't be in the playoff. We got to go four for four. This has never happened in the playoff era, but getting three of the four has happened thrice. You know how rarely I use that word, but it's happened. Three times that you've gotten 75%. To get 100%, though, I'm going to make that a 9.5 on the boldness scale. I mean, there's some good teams that just have forsaken the color red for whatever reason. Um, Really creative question there. A really creative prediction, though. I really respect the effort. They're watching us in Durham, North Carolina. Greenville, Tennessee. Katy, Texas. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, make sure you tell five of your friends to subscribe to the channel no matter where you live. Right back into the prediction game. I forgot we were doing two of them tonight. Here we go. Florida State, it's time to predict these records. The best case, the worst case, the most likely. Do you believe in Florida State? I've been asking more and more about this team when I talk to either buddies or if I'm at a restaurant or certainly in the gym. Um, I have found that there is a wide gap no one is, no one's lukewarm on them. They either think they're going to win the ACC or total fool's gold. I did not know Florida State was that polarizing or else I would have been talking about this a lot more in the spring, but I need to get out on the streets more, I guess. What is the best case for this team that went 10 and three last year? What is the best case? 12 and 0. I can't believe it, but I have to say it. The best case for Florida State this year is 12 and 0. How do you say otherwise? The more you zoom in and look at this, remember, it's called best case. They're a two and a half point dog against LSU to start the year. And they're currently a three point dog at Clemson. That screams even teams on a neutral field, by the way. So those are easily winnable games. They'll be favored in every other game. How do you not say that the best case is 12 and 0? You've got, I mean, at that point, the blue chip ratio is irrelevant because depth, 
and well spread out talent and especially transfer portal talent has shined through. Jordan Travis has had himself a Heisman caliber year. That influx of receiver talent has come through and uh, they've been really, really fortunate with no injuries. Yeah, 12-0 could happen there. Is it likely? No, it's possible. What is the worst case scenario? Well, I got seven and five, and I, I had a six and six in the cards, but I went seven and five. So obviously, there's a wide gap in potential outcomes here. Really high variance team is what you would call Florida State. In the case that worst case pans out, so in the case that they go seven and five, it probably just means the loudest detractors and haters in the room ended up being right. The haters for Florida State are saying they're overhyped and overrated right now because they didn't really beat anyone of consequence last year. They lost to Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson, the three ranked teams they played. They lost to all them. They beat scrub teams, and now you're overinflating their balloon, but you hadn't tied it. So when you let it go, it's just going to all over the place, and then you got sad kids. I don't believe that, but it's possible. And in the worst case, that's what happens. You lose to LSU. You lose to Clemson. Maybe the ACC is just flat out better than you thought it would be. Maybe you're not as good as you thought you were. You got a target on your back. Everyone else sees you being overhyped. And then maybe you have bad injury luck. So all that coalesces into seven and five. What's the most likely record for Florida State? I went 10 and two as the most likely record for Florida State. Because I, I really do believe in that team. And I do believe that even though the blue chip ratio is, is by and large a really good guidance metric, I think that their depth and their talent is spread proportionately over the team enough to where they can win these games. And also, if you'll notice, they don't have landmine situations. Like they don't have a death stretch of games like Arkansas, for example, on their schedule. They got LSU in week one. And then it's Southern Miss at Boston College at Clemson week four, then the bye week. And I look, if they're 10 and two, like if I'm right, if they go 10 and two, it is so important for you to tell me which games they lose. Did they lose the LSU game? Because if they did, well, maybe we've got one conference loss and that's it. Or, hey, what if they lost against LSU and Florida and ended up being undefeated in conference play? What if they beat LSU in Florida? And they lose two conference games. You know, so two, two losses only starts to tell the story there. This would be an exceptional year for them. Please don't misunderstand me. 10 and 2 is an exceptional year for Florida State. Or is it? That's what a lot of people will ask. Because that team has been very, very inflated in the odds market, in the hype market. They've been very inflated. Would people be happy? Would people be satisfied with 10 and 2? Now, if you wouldn't be satisfied with that, I, eh. Well, look, I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to call you irrational in the preseason, but man, ten and two for Florida State, I take it. Uh, two, four, six, eight. They are ninth in college football right now, or at least tied for ninth to win it all. So there you go. Is Florida State back? That's what 2023 is for. I had a Twitter question, and and by the way, we got a lot of folks watching live. I appreciate that, you guys and girls. Ladies of Pate State is a growing population. And they will have options in the Pate State store when it opens at some point this week. Just make sure you subscribe to the channel. That's all I ask. I had a Twitter question earlier today. Uh, we'll use this to wrap the show up tonight. Well, I'm going to scratch my nose. All right, then we'll use this to wrap the show up. Sam is in beautiful spring training land, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Sam said, which teams are you most uncertain about this year? Utah, Sam. I'm uncertain about Utah. We are going to Salt Lake City. I'm flying out there next Wednesday, tentatively, and we're going we're gonna to be out there for Florida versus Utah. That's our week one game on the Once Upon a Saturday tour. Is Cam Rising going to start? I mean, that, if, if you want to know if Jesse's a real person and you want to know what Jesse looks like, he's on your screen right now. That's him. That's not a twin. That's an identical twin of producer Jesse. But the difference is Jesse's healthy right now. I know. I played him in ping pong the other day. Cam Rising, we don't know. And uh, we, we're probably not going to know until warm-ups happen out there uh, before that game next week. Cam Rising's status is everything for Utah. I don't trust him at quarterback behind him, especially because that's not the only injury concern they've had in that room. And so here's the problem. They don't ease into their schedule. Utah's a championship contender. Like Utah's a fringe playoff contender. They're a Pac-12 championship contender. 
But they got Florida in week one. They go to Baylor the very next week, and they got UCLA in week four at Oregon State in week five. They will have already played Florida, Baylor, UCLA, and Oregon State before the end of September. If you don't have a quarterback ready to go, you're losing multiple games there. You could be one and three. You could be, you could be out of the picture. But also, you could be undefeated. You could be right there in the midst of the playoff conversation, which we don't participate in because it's October, but a lot of people would be talking about it already by that point. Um, you, all, the, all the possibilities, all the range of possibilities are there with Utah. It's one of the most uncertain teams to me in college football entering the season for that very reason. Next up, this is the easiest one. Uh, Texas A&M clearly is one of the most uncertain teams in college football. Uh, this is self-explanatory, but why not? I know a lot of you are coming back to the table. Hope you enjoyed your summer. Pretty irresponsible to acknowledge the offseason, but don't worry. We let you back in the door, penalty-free. You know they got Bobby Petrino. I think everyone knows that. Um, has anyone figured out how to properly calibrate your expectations with them? Top five roster. Let me repeat it because some of you don't believe that. They got a top five talent roster in America. You probably also are slightly shocked to know that they have a loaded wide receiver room. But they do. Can they take advantage of it? We'll see. Loaded defensively. They're loaded in many places. They're elite in so many ways. The fan base is elite. The facilities are elite. The culture's elite. Um, is, the, is the team elite? Or do they have the ceiling this year of being elite? Because there's a world where they play in Atlanta. They're that talented. There's a world where they're seven and five as well. Or worse. Uh, that is the definition of an uncertain team. SMJ, show me Jimbo. Other acronyms I could throw out there, but I want your children to be able to listen to the show. It is SMJ time. Or, or maybe Sudge, show us, Jimbo, show us. Wisconsin is a team that I want to talk to you about for a second, too. Just parked over there in the Big Ten West. Last year of divisions. So much change for Wisconsin. Luke Fickle's the head coach there now. We've had him on late kick already. How about that? Uh, the roster personnel, you would think, is not built for the offense they're going to run. So quick refresher, he comes in. He hires Phil Longo, who was down at North Carolina. Then they go and get Tanner Mordecai out of the portal from SMU, and they portaled in three more wide receivers, and all of a sudden, you're looking around and you're saying, oh, Braylon Allen's still here at running back, and a lot of our bowling ball personnel is still here, but could we, I don't know, maybe throw the ball a time or three per game this year? And it, it's the definition of uncertainty. Their over-under is eight and a half. I don't think odds makers have the slightest clue what to expect either. I think they're going to be in a ton of one-possession games this year. The portal moves make it a wild card. Okay, the new coaching staff, the new philosophy there, I asked Fickle about it, and he said on this show about a month ago, he said, oh, it's going to look different. Like, we are, we are no bones about it. Going to look different at Wisconsin. How different? How early? Buffalo at Washington State, Georgia Southern, weeks one through three, and then they start conference play at Purdue. They do not play Michigan in the regular season. They get Ohio State at home to wrap up October. The line on that game is single digits right now, like nine and a half, but it's single digits right now. That's an uncertain team. Eight wins, 11 wins, six wins, 10 wins. Hoops amongst us knows. And lastly, what about Oklahoma? There's uncertainty around Oklahoma. Preseason win totals nine and a half. Um, there's no history to fall back on. This is the problem. So if, if, a, if a coach who is achieved at high levels, just has a bad year, but he's achieved before him, you don't doubt. You know he's done it before he could do it again. Brent Venables hasn't. So you're having to still go on blind faith. They were six and seven last year. They were terrible defensively. You're having to go on blind faith. We've done the argument. We've done the stuff. We've done the scenarios here with Oklahoma. Okay? I can explain myself around year one just like you can. I can explain the very, very inept results just like you can, but we got to have faith. We got to George Michael our way through this because there is no fallback. There is no, there is no chapter one, two, and three that we can go back on as we're in chapter six. And oh, chapter six was terrible. But remember chapter one, two, and three, last year was chapter one. Is chapter two going to be any better? They've recruited like it's going to be a lot better. They've portaled like it's going to be a lot better. The messaging sounds like it's going to be a lot better. Early returns from fall camp, if the media beat can get out off of each other's throats out there and actually cover the football program, um, it sounds good. It sounds good. 
I think it's going to be good. I also think that I could be wrong. And that's, that's the kind of analysis I think that you have come to expect on this show. 11 and 1 is in the cards. 7 and 5 is in the cards. Oklahoma is a very, very uncertain property. They're a very uncertain team coming into this year. Here's what I am certain about. Um, we kind of think that this is America's college football show. It's not the only one we want you to listen to. A lot of folks are doing great work out there. Sample it all. This is on demand. It's not, not like time slot world anymore. So go listen to them all. Uh, we just want this to be your headquarters, you know? Like, let everything else in your life revolve around this one. Subscribe to the channel. Podcast and YouTube. That's all we need, and it will be free to you until the end of time. We want 200,000 subs here by the time we kick off week one. I think we can do it. There are some doubters in the building who shan't be named. Don't worry about them. Moot point. Shut them up. Subscribe to the channel. Thank you so much. We'll be back here same time Tuesday night. The Pate State Store opens at some point this week. Keep your eyes peeled. Until then, for Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, for a rare on-screen appearance by Bradley the Associate tonight, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great start to your week, and God bless.